Hey guys, this is Becca with Mill Spouse Conversations um, and all our wonderful conversation starters. We are missing Sybil, our very loved uh, loved sister. She is a little under the weather. She's um, not been feeling so great late. So we miss her. We love you. Um, and we are going to get this thing kicked off with our friend Christina Kimbrough. Um, she is going to be talking to us about some of the struggles she's gone through as a woman, as a Navy wife, um, some of the things that she's had to deal with as far as mental health struggles and addiction and overcoming that. And she's going to talk to us about her wonderful recovery and how she's been able to come out on top of this. So, Christina, I'm going to let you have the floor. Oh, thank you. I want to say, I'm first of all, I'm just grateful to be here. I think it's so nice of you guys to just kind of share this time with me. Um, yeah, so she, as you mentioned, I'm Christina uh, Kimbrough. My husband is a rescue swimmer in the Navy, and we live in Chesapeake, Virginia, near like Norfolk, Virginia Beach area, if you've heard of that. Um, so I can't believe it. We've been married for like five years, and then together nine. Time just goes so fast. We're not really sure. Um, anyway, it feels strange, but so I met my husband in San Diego. I was on a trip visiting my brother who was a Marine stationed in San Diego. And he brought my husband along and I was like, oh, this guy's super cute. And that was kind of the end of it. And so we started dating long distance. Um, and I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. So I moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Jacksonville, Florida after like six months of dating my husband. Uh, I quit like a really good job that I had, all the things. And um so we lived together for about a year and um, I started drinking. And so as she mentioned, that's kind of part of my story is, um, uh, is alcoholism. So I started drinking pretty heavily around 25, 24, 25. Um, and then my husband was deployed about a year in to us dating, maybe a little over. And um, I was telling you know some people before this, we started, but I... Um, I've always struggled with anxiety. I've always struggled with depression, but just never received a diagnosis. Um, and so my husband went and got deployed um, and I had a panic attack and some suicidal ideation. So I hospitalized myself because I was like, you know what? I need some professional help. Um, and so I did, I got help. Um, and I was there probably a few days, um, received my first diagnosis. And then I got out of the hospital and I just remember being there and like, there was no, when I was there, like, I didn't tell anyone cause I was so ashamed to be there for mental health reasons. And I didn't know anyone else that had struggled like this. So I kept it a secret. And I remember thinking, you know, I've ever been really upset. Like, you know, if I had been here for a car accident or a heart attack or whatever, something physical, you know, people would have brought me balloons and flowers, you know, whereas with mental health, it was like, whoa, you know, like people didn't know what to say. So I, that really bothered me. And so I'm a communicator, I'm a bachelor's in journalism. So I really just started sharing and talking about it openly um, to end the stigma. Well, unfortunately, during all of that, I was drinking very heavily. Um, and so I'm 32 now and I got sober when I was 31, but I was living in Norfolk, Virginia at the time and I had gotten a new job. It was great. And I went intoxicated to this job um, and realized like I did a binge for two days straight, just drinking. Like I hadn't, I had never done that before. So I was out of control. 
Um, and so my husband and I kind of sat down and were like, you need help, you know? And so I moved from my home of Norfolk, Virginia, where I was living back to my original home, Cleveland, Ohio, and got sober. And, um, my sober date is February 3rd, 2020. So I've been sober a little over a year and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy. I got sober during COVID. That was interesting. Um, all my meetings I had been going to for Alcoholics Anonymous were shut down. So, I mean, getting sober in a pandemic has been quite the journey, but I started sharing about it online uh, and it resonated with people. So here I am. Christina, that is an awesome story. Um, I understand, well, I shouldn't say I understand because everyone walks different, but I can empathize with your situation. You know, you and I talked a little bit about my story and mental health and how I struggled with it silently for almost two decades because yeah. I was afraid of messing with my husband's mission. You know, it's yeah. always been from the time, as I, I can't speak for everybody's experience as a military spouse, but I know mine coming in, my husband came in in 1998 and one of the first things I remember having pounded into my head was do not risk messing up the mission. If, yeah. if everything blows up in your life, keep it to yourself. Do not tell your sailor. My, my husband's a sailor. Do yeah. not tell your sailor. Um, do not let them know what's going on. Act like everything is peaches and rainbows because you don't want them worried about what's going on back home. They need to think that you have everything under control. And I took that to heart, seriously took it to heart and kept things to myself. And it wasn't just because of my fear of, you know, him being worried about what was going on back home, but it was also my fear as a spouse, as a woman, what would people think of me? How would they look at me if they knew that I had mental health issues, you know? And like you mentioned, going to the hospital, you know, people get flowers, you know, if they have, you know, their surgery on their leg, they have a broken arm, whatever it may be, you have a kid, yeah. whatever it may right. be, you know, you get flowers. It's always, Oh, how are you doing? Yeah. Things like that. But if you have mental health, it's crickets. You know, if you, if you're going in for help for that kind of thing, there's very little, or at least there was, it's, it's more now since it's yeah. coming um more prevalent in the public eye but for the longest time you didn't talk about it you didn't have the support network nobody wanted to be friends with the quote unquote crazy woman yeah um so you know i completely empathize with where you're at where you were and i'm so glad you're sharing your story with everyone because if you're feeling that way if you've gone through it if you've thought it if you've dealt with it someone else has too so um, I'm really glad that you're here with us tonight and that you're open up um, and that you're helping others hopefully be able to come forward and get the help that they need and to not be ashamed. Um, mental health, it's, it's an invisible illness and it is, it's very disheartening how people shy away from people that, that struggle with mental illness sometimes. Um, and even now, I see it. I see people, you know, once I get to know people and then if I disclose the fact that I have bipolar disorder, sometimes you see them kind of cringe like, mm. and it's like, look, I'm not crazy. I have an illness. You know, it's no different than if I were a diabetic. Right. Or if I had hypertension, you know, I take maintenance meds. 
just like other people do. It's just for, yeah. you know, it's for a completely different situation, but people don't look at it that way. And hopefully, you know, as more of this comes to line and people begin to talk about it more and mental health awareness is, you know, it's put out there more and people really just realize and, and understand and study up on it, you know, get educated about it. Hopefully there will be more help and more support out there for people that struggle with this type of thing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you you make a great point. I mean, I think it definitely is invisible in the sense of I really went through that too with the mental illness and then also with addiction um, because I, you know, was always, you know, dressed up or wearing my makeup and showing up and being happy and like all the things. And so when I came out and said I was an alcoholic, people were like, no, no, you probably just like had some bad nights. And I was like, no, no, like, no, trust me, ask my husband, you know? And so it was like, you know, people just couldn't, they just couldn't put the two together, the image of me like working and running and posting all these great things with the image of the, what I was going through, you know, so addiction, it's interesting. Yeah. Everyone's story is completely different, but I went through that too with the mental illness. I got that all the time. Like people like, Oh, you're so happy. You're so pretty. How are you? How are you depressed? And I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) you know, like, where do I start? Um, And so I think that's why I talk so openly about it because, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think a lot of it's just a lack of education. It absolutely is. Now, let me ask you this. I know once I got a diagnosis because it took forever for to be diagnosed, it was actually a civilian doctor that finally got me the correct diagnosis and on the treatment plan that I need to be on. um, But I know since I had gotten that diagnosis, I find more people within the military circle that struggle with the same thing. Are you seeing that with addiction and alcoholism as well? Is that, is that yeah. something that's, that you're noticing more? Yeah, that's such a great question. Abs- absolutely. hundred percent. And I think, you know, I was telling Julie before this, I actually started, well, we were talking about this a little bit, but you know, me starting an Instagram campaign for mental health and sobriety. Yes. Well, in fact, it turns out, and I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to share it. I'm um, hosting something called A Thousand Hours Dry, and it's on Instagram, and it's it's for military. So it's for people that want to be sober or sober curious Um, because there is such an issue. You know what I mean? Like it does, and you don't even, we were talking, Julie and I were talking about this. You don't even have to have an issue. I think more of the, what my mission is too, is like, hey, why do we have to have alcohol and everything? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, let's normalize sobriety. Like, cause you know, Julie and I were laughing, but it's like, you know, she said she's not a big drinker, but it's like, when you go to an event and you're sober people, or you just don't want to drink people are like, why come on, have some fun. And you're like, well, no, you don't want to see me when I drink. It's like making you choose between having fun and having a drink. So good. Or ha- having, having fun and drinking or not having fun. And like yeah. the reality is you can, you can do, like you can do, you don't have to. Yeah. You can have fun without it. Yes. And I mean, that's such a great point too, is I, I like, it's, I'm like, yes, I, people will be like, what do you do for fun now? I'm like, everything. I was like, my life was miserable when I was drinking. Again, I know a lot of people don't struggle like I did, but when I was drinking, I couldn't do anything, you know? So it's like, it's, yeah. I mean, this idea that you can't have fun or go out or do things is just so wrong, (laughs) you know? And so like the whole idea of like a thousand hours dry is just like, do we, can we talk about being sober curious, which if, you know, people aren't familiar with, it just means like, 
questioning your relationship with alcohol and you don't even have to have a problem, you know, with it, but it's like, maybe I can stop. Like, do I need to drink? Like maybe, you know, like, what does it look like if I have a month sober and like, what do I feel like, you know, or just what does it mean to be alcohol free? Um, and so I think that's kind of a lot of the mission is just to kind of create that space within the military community because, you know, Julie and I were talking about it again, where it's like the first thing when you meet a spouse in a Facebook group or anywhere, that's kind of how we meet nowadays. But, you know, the first thing is like, oh, let's get drinks, you know, and so a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I am completely open about it. Like when I was, I did drink a lot with military spouses and we were drunk we were not having two glasses we were having a bottle and shots and white cloth like it was not like a very like it started out appropriate but it just didn't end there you know so I'm just here to say like you know it it happens and it happens more frequently than we think um you know and I want to create spaces for those spouses like me who you know, you don't have to be in addiction or active addiction, you know, who are just like, you know, Julie and I were talking about like, there's a million other things that we could do besides drink. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not anti-drinking. I get that people, I'm around people that drink. I'll go places and I've been around many people who drink and I'm okay with it. But I'm also just like, hey, can we be a little more inclusive? Like, we're out here. <laughs> I agree. And I think that your 1000 hour sober mission is amazing. I'm so glad you're doing that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm sure that's helping a lot of people like take that step. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. And that's a perfect way to put it. It's like, I just say it's like a conversation starter, right? You know, where it's like, because sometimes we don't even see things. And so it can be hard because you may be having those questions and you're, you know, in your own mind. So it's also nice to just find like a community of other people. Cause I know I still feel, to be honest, alone as a sober spouse. Like I have many people that are sober in my life, but they're not military. So it's like, we all know we're all military here. You know, it is a very, it can be a very lonely journey, right? Like it can be a very isolating thing where, you know, our civilian family and friends just don't understand the unique challenges that we go through. Mm -hmm. So then I've also found that I feel alone because I'm sober, you know what I mean? So anyway, just being online and being able to connect to other sober people, even if they're across the country or the world, it's like, oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> well, and the truth is, I mean, not every military spouse drinks for whatever right. reason, there's religious reasons. There's yeah, having to stay away, you know, for personal oh. reasons or just, just not feeling like having. Yes. <laughs> And moment. so you, I want to touch on that. You completely encapsulated what a thousand hours dry is. Like that's what it is. It's for everybody. Like I'm in, re I'm in what I call recovery. So like I'm trying to heal from a past of addiction, but like, yes, I mean, there's a million reasons that people don't drink. And so it's, or are alcohol free, right. You know, instead of sober, like they just call themselves alcohol free. And I think just kind of elevating those voices and creating spaces for people like that, you know what I mean? Is kind of, kind of what I'm just trying to say, normalizing sobriety. Now, let me ask you this. So I know we're talking about addiction we're specifically talking about alcohol addiction, but as we know, there's other types of addiction out there that military spouses, I'm sure struggle with. Sure. Is that something that they could also join a thousand hours sober with if it were something? Um, um, so this one's just, it's, it's a thousand hours dry. So not dry, sober. dry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, if this one's just alcohol. Yeah. So this one's just alcohol, but that, I mean, yeah, gosh, that's a whole nother conversation. Cause 
yes, we all have different addictions. There's food, you know, like there's shopping, two of the ones. I wouldn't say I'm addicted, but I'm struggling with those two at the moment, trying to. Sugar. Yeah. Sugar. Sugar. That's what we were talking about. We were saying that, yeah. I, I am telling you, I know I drink a lot of soda more than I was just on vacation. I think I drink like a soda a day and I just, I've never really done that. And now coming home and just like, I'm crashing off of not drinking that soda. You know, it's crazy um, how quickly our bodies can become dependent on things, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because there can be like, we were, Julie and I were talking, but like the definition of addiction, or you can kind of gauge whether you are addicted to something is like, if you have adverse effects in your life. So like if things are happening negatively, but you can't put that substance or shopping or whatever it is down. Right. So like if it's negatively impacting others in your life or you or anyone, because I think we think of addiction again, as this big dramatic word, right? Like, oh, well, I'm not addicted because I'm not a fallout drunk or I'm not doing drugs, but it's like, well, I mean, are there other things in your life that, you know, are kind of having adverse effects? Like, I, you know, so I also love trying to broaden the, the definition of addiction and make it a little under, more understandable. Mm-hmm. I think in addition to that, like prescription meds too, we kind of have to talk about that. Um, I think I'm in an empowered office group with the Chris and Taya Kyle Foundation right now. Oh, cool. And that's one of the things that we were kind of talking about is that military help tends yeah. to as soon as you go in with any yeah. ache or any pain or you know I feel anxiety because I can't sleep at night um have a different prescription for a plethora of our issues that just are part of our life so that's another so another really big one yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I um I did have a do have a military spouse friend who was dealing with that with like the had to detox from pills. I think they were benzos. I'm not sure, but I mean, I think because those are overprescribed and like we just don't even realize, you know, that yeah, I mean that's a hundred percent an addiction. And then throw in alcohol and it's a nightmare, you know. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I think just normalizing the conversation. And I was telling Julie this, I'm not like anti-drinking. I'm not anti-taking medicine if you need to, but it's just more of like raising awareness for it. And like having that conversation with yourself. Like I always say to people ask me like, well, how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? And I'm like, I don't know if that's the right question. I think the right question would be like, how is this impacting your life? Am I living my best life? You know? And so when I flipped that script and asked myself that, I was like, oh gosh, like, no, you know, I'm not happy. My marriage is on the rocks. Like I'm not running like my job. I lost a job, you know? So I think just even asking ourselves that question in general, if like people don't identify with the addict part, like, which is totally understandable, that can be a more helpful way to look at it. That is really good. And you can apply that in different parts of your life too. Like what is this thing that I am doing? Like, maybe it's a totally benign thing, but like, just for me, I'm doing it and it's not healthy for me to keep doing it, you know, and that kind of thing. Absolutely. A question about like healthy coping mechanisms, I think. Yeah. Because we do have so many stressors. You have to think like if psychologists list the top five stressors in life and most of the time it's moving, it's fear of death, it's separation from loved ones it's, yeah. it's all of the things that we go through on a pretty consistent right. cycle so, so there's just no break for it yeah and right. so that's where those transparent conversations come in where everything doesn't have to be tied up and put in a pretty little bow 
Like it's okay for us to tell the younger spouses that are coming up underneath us. Yeah, girl, I've been there. That's hard. Yeah. It, it, it was really hard oh, and yeah. have those honest, open conversations as a community. Yeah, I love that. And you hit on something that I remember. Like, I think this is something, and I, I, this community is great. I can already tell, but I think a conversation that we need to have even further with that is I remember I was dating my husband. I think he went away for like a month or something for a debt. And I like commented how hard it was. I, I shared it on Instagram, how much I miss my husband. I had a bunch of wives come at me. Like, that's not hard. Can you imagine how hard it is to, you know, 10 month deployment, blah, blah, blah. And I just, my civilian friends that like, came to my rescue and were like, well, I'll, all trials are valid. Like right. she's going through for like, whatever, you know? And so I was just like, I feel like we also try to one up each other in this community right. sometimes, you know, and I'm just my saying, heart is more hard than your heart. So you don't get to yes. your heart because it's harder than my heart. Yes. Like I have five kids and one of them has this issue, blah, 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 you know, or like, I don't have kids yet, but it's, that doesn't mean it's still not hard for me when my husband leaves, you know, like, so I think it's just this idea of like validating each other. Like she's, you know, she was saying like, uh, Erica was saying like, just saying like, yeah, I mean, this can, it does suck sometimes. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to be angry at the military. I remember anger was a huge issue for me to feel. I think a lot of females go through that. And my therapist was like, you know, I, I was having anxiety and she's like, I think you're anxious or you're not, I thought I was anxious. She's like, I think you're angry. And she's like, you know, you could be mad at the Navy. She's like, the Navy can take it. <laughs> and I've I was definitely like, been mad at the army before. Many yeah. Many yeah. She's like, be mad. Like you're allowed to say this sucks. You know what I mean? Like it is, I'm not sure it's easy for anyone. Like we're coming up. My husband was on um, shore duty, which if you know, you're not Navy means he was home for three years, you know? And so coming up in June, um, he's going to be leaving again. So every other month he'll be gone. And then he's going on a 10 month deployment. And I haven't dealt with that in three years, you know? So, so that's just like a new challenge. Um, yeah. And so just like learning how to deal with that. I think Erica just kind of gave me an idea. It's like, I think we need to give each I don't know where this would come, but like ways to prep and like deal with it emotionally. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, for me, it's like, I've been through the long deployments and I've been through like the shorter times. And it's like, when I'm not used to the long deployment cycles, then the shorter times become, they're not my norm. Like him being away is not my norm. So like he can be gone for two weeks and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, and I'm not, I'm not, it's not the same thing as a long deployment, but like, it's not it's so hard and like, I can still have a meltdown and I can still yeah. <laughs> freak out because it's, it's just, it's like, here's my normal life. And that, that just got disrupted. So no matter yes. what the disruption is, you're having disruption and that's affecting you. hundred percent. And I think like, that's kind of what I wish, I don't know where it would be, but like resources or we could talk to people about, like, also, I like to say, like, you don't have to be in recovery or mental health issues to like learn healthy coping mechanisms. You know what I mean? Like I meditate daily and like run and like journal all these things. And I'm like, yes, I have to do them to maintain like a baseline of functioning, (laughs) get normal sleep, like all the things, avoid too much coffee, which I'm not great at, you know, but 
Um, but like, we can talk about those things. And I think we should just normalize them, right? Like the self-care and like what, or even asking ourselves, like a big thing I do in recovery now is like, what do I need in this moment? Like, how can I, you know, because our spouses aren't there and they a lot of the times can't give us those things. So, but it's like, if it, is it, what does that look like? Is it a boundary? Do we even know what boundaries are? <laughs> yeah. Boundaries are, are huge for us military spouses. Like we yeah. need to figure them out because- yeah. And also like what one spouse can handle and do during an deployment is different than what another spouse I love that. Can do. Yeah. And we well, can't compare ourselves. Yeah. And not only that, like what you can do in one season opposed mm-hmm. to different seasons. Like right. that's the, exactly. the hardest thing for me is that exactly. sometimes like I compare the season that I'm in now raising teenagers, which uh-huh. is a whole different ballgame. <laughs> <laughs> a season you know when they were younger and so even ourselves we have to know really within ourselves like to be able to give ourselves grace and say hey this is a different season these are different circumstances and so we just have to remember to give other people as much grace as we give ourselves and then also to give ourselves as much grace as we give other people because I'm I'm super guilty of that of telling everybody like girl, you're doing awesome and the self-care, but then my inner voice is not as kind to myself as I should be. And so that's where I think therapy, I always tell everybody, I'm like, I need coffee and I need Jesus and I need therapy. (laughs) So there are so many free resources out there for military spouses to get therapy, whether it's one-on-one or group therapy. And I just think that that is such an important thing as you grow and as you go along this journey to like relearning yourself because we change with each season and with each deployment just Mm -hmm. as our spouses change we change as well and so it's really important to be self-aware enough to understand that yeah Erica I love that that's such a good point because you know my husband deployed like six years ago something like that and like yeah I mean I was in my mid twenties, now I'm in my early thirties. So like life is just a hundred percent different. And so, yeah, I mean, I think just understanding, like giving ourselves grace for where, whatever season we're in. Um, right. Cause it can be hard to see like, like, again, I don't have kids yet. And so it's like seeing moms with like three kids and their husband's on deployment and blah, blah, blah. And they're beautiful in the house. And I'm like, I can't even get out of bed, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I love that. I like how you were talking about, um, you know, saying, well, how do you recognize that it's a problem and it's not necessarily that you can't live without it, but how does it affect the other people in your life? Um, So that's interesting, especially if you're dealing with a spouse on deployment um, and you don't have kids, like who else is it affecting? Um, But also what I was thinking of as you guys were chatting is, um, and and being a longtime military spouse, I think every military spouse or any spouse that has another spouse that leaves for long periods of time is to, to give yourself that, okay, hey, it's gonna be hard, or some times are gonna be harder than others, and it's normal to feel that pain. Mm. Um, so just tell yourself that ahead of time. And then when you do feel that pain um, with anything else that's hard in life, I think make the decision of head, ahead of time, what are you gonna do in that situation? So I'm curious, um, what, you know, what did, did you replace the habit with something else or did you make a decision to, um, you know, do something else? And then how, and I think you may have already mentioned, but when did you recognize that it was a problem? Yeah, that's a great question. So 
I realized in January of 2020, um, I went intoxicated to a job, so that'll do it. <laughs> and then I went on a two-day binge of drinking. Um, and so my husband kind of sat down and was like, you know, how to come to Jesus moment. Like, not that I'm going to divorce you, but like, you need help. You know what I mean? Like, and it's out of my realm of knowing what to do. Like, cause he had, we had tried together to figure it out. And so I, he's like, you need professional help. And I was like, yeah, yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, so I would, so yeah, so that was the moment that I realized I need help. And then, you know, it's interesting. I didn't replace the addiction with a specific thing. I think it's just been a conglomeration of like different things. You know what I mean? So I have a recovery program. I have a way of understanding how I feel and checking in with myself, you know, and doing a lot of self help to just kind of grow. I like that stuff in general. I've just kind of made it my life's mission to constantly learn myself and grow and then hopefully help others. Um, but I will say, you know, I am very vulnerable. Like right now I'm struggling with food. Like I've gained like probably 30 pounds, but again, at the same time, who isn't like, it's COVID. I feel like, I don't know if you guys saw that Will Smith post where he's like, I'm in the worst shape of my life or something. And I'm like, well, first of all, you look great, but okay. You know, <laughs> he, um, he's got like a small tummy and you're like, okay. But, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I'm eating a lot more. I don't think it's at the place of addiction, but I'm just eating more. And, you know, so I was just talking to my husband about that. You know, I was like, what do we do? How do I replace this? Like, how do I how do I just constantly figure out how to cope better, you know? And so I would say I'm like in the midst of that right now, you know, just like, like I said, he's, I think he's leaving in June. I'm sure that y'all know like how that goes where you don't get a like real date. <laughs> My family's like, when can I come visit? When's he leaving? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think that that self-awareness is key, you know, checking in with yourself with, you know, like, um, just saying to yourself, Hey, uh, this, this is what's going on. I recognize this trigger and yeah. what am I going to do about it? So that's not, you know, that's like an awesome thing that you constantly check in with yourself. I don't know if you want to call it mindfulness or yeah. just, you know, bringing it to the forefront. hundred percent. So I actually went and became a, um, certified meditation teacher just because it changed my life. And so I started teaching just like locally and helping other people because, it's a hundred percent mindfulness, like meditation and mindfulness go hand in hand, but it's more so, yeah. I mean, just, I, when you're in active addiction, like you're not really in your body. Cause that's the whole point. You want to be outside of your body or your brain. Um, but yeah, I mean, being mindful of like what I'm feeling and honoring it and then staying in that pain, like you said, you know, um, is huge and it sucks, but yeah, I mean, it, mindfulness has changed my complete, my whole life. I mean, all I do grounding techniques all the time. I'm like, feel my feet on the floor. Right. Like, so that's just a big one. Like feel like take a deep breath and like feel my feet on the floor. And then I was saying earlier, a big one I asked myself is like, what do I need in this, sec this moment? You know, hopefully it's not like a bowl of Mac and cheese. Like, and if it is like, well, like what else can we do? But yeah, I mean, mindfulness is, is huge to my everyday life and recovery. I think another important thing too in, in recovery, um, well, in, in general, really is knowing your triggers. Yeah. What, what triggers you to need whatever it is you're addicted to? What triggers the negativity, whether it be people, and people can be triggers. Um, believe me, I've cut plenty off because they were triggers. Yeah. <laughs> With the scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... You know, I think different things like I cannot 
Um, I can't watch sad movies. I can't listen to sad songs. They put me in a very negative place in my mind, and I, I my mind is not always a good place to be. So I think that is very important as being able to recognize your triggers and to figure out a way to eliminate them as best as possible. Yeah, that's that's very true because, like, only you know you, and you know what you know to stay away from. And I love that. Yeah, and it's like that's a huge one for me. When I got sober, I really stopped watching the news. I used to be a big news junkie and I just kind of realized that like, I used to start the morning with my news and I would over caffeinate and like all the things, you know, and then I'd wonder why by four o'clock I was going for the bottle, you know? So it's like starting my day off different has just made a huge difference. Or like I've, I'm an empath, so I can't handle any kind of violence or anything like that. So I just don't watch movies like that. You know, it's just not in my wheelhouse. Um, and I will say it's like, or another big one for me is like when I'm in big groups, I need to take a time away from myself, like for an hour, like around family, whatever it is. And that's really hard because it's like, people will be like, oh, come on, you're fine. What's going on? I'm like, no, I'm exhausted right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be present in the conversation because I need to go rest, you know? And that's been something that I'm working through now. It's like, it's very hard to make space for those kinds of things. So that's, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the triggers. Yeah, and then I think too, um, especially, you know, with something like addiction or any kind of mental health problem, you know, be, once you become aware of it is not beating yourself up yeah. over it and thinking yeah. that you're some weirdo because, yeah. you know, we're all human. We all have an issue, whatever it is. And so once you recognize it, you should celebrate yourself and be like, yeah, yeah I recognize it. Now what do I do? What, I you know, what can I do? That's so good. And I, I can totally speak to that because I was just telling someone that I was like, well, sometimes I'm, I hate that it takes so much for me to get up in the morning and function and be like a baseline, right? Like I have to do a lot just to kind of be normal. I don't like that word, but for lack of a better word. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, but that's okay. You know, and that's why I also recover out loud because I think a lot of people, again, we were talking about like diabetes. Like if, if you're like, oh, I have to cut out sugar, you know, no one's like, oh, well, no, you need to drink that soda. You know what I mean? Whereas it's like, I'm like, no, I need to meditate. Cause if I don't, I get anxious and I may want a drink after that. You know what I mean? So it's like just normalizing, taking time for yourself or taking a two hour nap or like whatever that looks like, I think is just really important right now. Yeah, I think that um, I'm listening to you ladies and you guys are really hitting all the points to like that I relate to. Um, my biggest thing that I feel like in my life I've been addicted to is work. So like I'm a workaholic. Yeah. So when I, I was in the military, you know, for m most of my working life, uh, you know, I worked at places like Target and Meyer and stuff like that, but I moved on to work, you know, mostly for the military and in the military, you really just know your agenda. You know what you're doing, you know what the mission is, you know what the vision is, you know what you're supposed to be doing day in and day out. And then when I got out, you know, so your whole identity is I'm a sailor, right? I'm a sailor. I was a sailor and a wife and a mother, but I was a sailor first, like just to be honest, because they put themselves first in your life. So when I moved from being a sailor to a, to a mother, to a wife, I inserted school in there. So I moved my workaholic to college and I just 
I didn't neglect anyone. I did what I was supposed to do. But in my mind, you know, when you go to school, you have an agenda. You know what you're supposed to be doing every day. You get it done. You move on. You know, you get it's it's an accomplishment there in my mind. You know, everything else, like to me, housework and stuff, that's just stuff that I, I do because I, I'm a person and I live right because you, these are things that everyone has to do um, as a I mean, you don't have to, but I mean, it, you have to do it according to how you want your house to look or however you feel comfortable in your space. Right. So when I finished school, there was really nothing for me to do, like, you know, as a career path, because you know, you would think I have a degree and I'm going to have a career, but it's not. It's like, I'm going to move and I'm going to move again and I'm going to move again and I'm going to move again and I'm going to move again. And it's just like the identity. I have anxiety also, but it all stems from a loss of an identity and a loss of being able to support my habit, which is work working, <laughs> you know, it's, and even though I don't regret not working a lot, um, I do know that it was a source of my biggest anxiety and my panic attacks came from not knowing who I am. Am I gonna, am I a person? And do I exist outside of, you know, the parameters I'm in right now? If I had to get a job to support myself, would I be able to do this? Like, these are things that are in my mind. And I guess that when people talk about addiction, sometimes, because, you know, I've, I do lots of things, but, I have not been addicted to anything in my life. Like I've been addicted to work. <laughs> and I think that's another type of addiction that we have. It's just to keep doing, 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 doing. And then when you stop doing, it's almost like there's an identity loss and a separation from who you are as a person. And psychologically, that's damaging in my opinion. So I agree with all you ladies about what you were saying about because addiction is addiction, no matter what you're addicted to and coping mechanisms like I also meditate I actually do self-hypnosis a lot just to get my mind out of this what my therapist says is like saying mean things to myself yeah. <laughs> you know about what I'm not doing or accomplishing and um, then just valuing my life more and like the people in it because life is so fleeting you know what I mean so that's all I had to say <laughs> But I do appreciate y'all, you know, sharing your story. And so, like, I'm happy to be here with y'all. Oh, Nashida, we love you. You know, I love y'all too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you brought that up. Um, I think the addiction to work is a huge one. That's That's so, and again, like, I think it's, there's ones that are interesting that are like acceptable addictions, right? So I think we applaud like a work ethic, which is good. Like, don't take that away from, you know, that's good. But it's like, yeah, I mean, like you said, though, like, you know, it's applauded. So no one looks at it like it's bad if you're working 60 to 70 hours a week or whatever. They're like, oh, she's just hustling, right? Because I think there's another, mm -hmm. that, that hustle culture, especially as spouses. Yeah. We're like, what are you supposed to have a hobby? And then like five side hustles, you know, like, sell things on Etsy. I don't know, but like, it's, you know, and so I love that you said that. And then there's also the culture of like, just constantly doing things. Like I, I completely relate. It's like, if having to sit still for 10 minutes without my phone, I've recently started like 
when I brew my coffee in the morning, I just like set my phone down and not like scroll it. Right. Like that is so hard for me, (laughs) you know, microwaving something like, holy crap, or like eating without being on my phone. You know, it's just these small things. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you know, recently I stopped drinking soda. I mean, I'm, I just need to lose weight. I have these pandemic pounds, as you mentioned. Same. I also gained 30 pounds. Like, it's okay. just like wearing on my hips right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're like, I please, <laughs> could you just like stop drinking something? Because <laughs> you just munch and munch and chew and eat and, you know, just. Uh, but so now I've started drinking sparkling water. <laughs> my husband's like, do you actually like that stuff? Or, <laughs> and I was like, it's surprising how you can like something because you do it all the time. And the thing about the phone is, yeah, I put my phone on the charger a lot. Like I go put it on the charger, but for, for social media and stuff, sometimes you have to be on it. But, you know, if you work in that space, but yeah, it's very difficult to just be like, where's my phone? And I like to listen to audiobooks, And so sometimes I'll just do that. <laughs> go ahead. I'm like addicted to like, say addiction, but I like a lot podcasts. And so like, I realize I'm like, I'm listening to them while I shower. Like I can't even take a shower without, like, I've just been trying to be, I mindful. can't, I can't do the dishes without listening. To Same. Yeah. Putting away clothes, yeah, doing laundry. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But then someone, I saw something about this and they brought up that like back in the day, like a long time ago, people used to do their chores, like like all the women would come and like turn the butter together and so they would be talking to each other and so it's like well there's always been something you know oh that's so good we 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 do so true by ourselves now but we have exactly I mean it's you know nothing new under the sun yeah that's what I tell people like when you know I do drink and you know someone might ask me like oh you're having a drink when you cook I'm like there's nobody in here but me like I have to be, you know, I have to entertain myself <laughs> and I'm a goofy, you know, when I get drunk, so I get a little tipsy. I can't get too, you know, you got to cook, can't burn the house down. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have like a drink or two and it's like, no, because you should do that and stuff. And I was like, back in the, when I was young, people were in the kitchen, they were talking, but my grandmother, she, she did a lot of stuff herself, but I think it's because she had like 13 kids. Oh, wow. She needed that. Yeah. That was like her. So, in her older years she was just like that quiet was probably everything to her because it was always something going on but when you only have like one or two children and the house isn't full and nobody's talking or everybody's on their devices it's like you know you know there's only so much cooking together like come on cook together it's like okay you know my you know what I mean I'm trying to hang out you know what I mean or my husband's at work or whatever you know and it's like that's that's I'm glad you brought that up because I say that all the time you know it's kind of lonely in there sometimes it's so quiet I'm like let me turn on some music let me like listen to a podcast you know <laughs> let me listen to people talk about something yeah. let me comment on YouTube right. <laughs> yeah and it's not a bad thing right like it's not bad those things in themselves aren't bad it's just like being aware of like can I be alone with my thoughts right you know right. like do I constantly feel the need to pull something out or listen to something? And that's something I'm working on. It's not easy for any of us. (laughs) 
So how can we um, like follow your journey? Is there, are the, the whole thing about a thousand hours dry, is that like a hashtag or? Yeah, it is a hashtag. Um, and so, yeah, it's so cool. So a thousand hours dry is like a big movement, right? And they just started doing it for military. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's on Instagram at 1000 hours dry military. That's it. Okay. Um, so I host that. They have different hosts, different military hosts. So it's really cool. They do, they have officers, they have spouses. So it's like anyone, veterans, like anyone military related. And then if you just want to follow my journey, just I talk about mental health and sobriety. It's just C Kimbrough one at, um, on Instagram. That's it. <laughs> I'm definitely okay, yeah, following you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to put that in our comment section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. put it in the comments so that people can find it. Yeah, this definitely gives us all, I think, a lot to, to meditate on and yeah, to right. think <laughs> about on this Thursday night and to be alone with our thoughts. Like you said, yeah. that's a great, a great thing yeah. that you should. The, you the good thoughts, on. not not the, the negativity. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. I do like to think like I uh, a lot alone with my thoughts a lot. But like my biggest problem is that I think so much and like I consume a lot of data. And then when I do see somebody, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay, calm down. Stop. <laughs> what are you even talking about? You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I think like I think though we may all be like that right now because of COVID, because we spend so much time alone. You know what I mean? Especially if our spouses deploy and stuff. So it's like I feel like I see someone in public and I'm like, friend, be my friend, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all gonna have to like learn how to people again. <laughs> I well, thank well, you for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. I just say thank you. And if anybody out there in Facebook land or wherever we're posting this has questions or comments on their own journey, feel free to, you know, post and, and let yeah. us know. People can always message me too. I, um, I love talking to people about any of that. I mean, anything, but you know, yeah. sobriety and mental health. Um, you know, I think, cause that's how I got sober really. I mean, I started just reaching out, you know, asking mm -hmm and just like hey what did you do how did you do it so mm -hmm. well thank you thank you yeah thank you and I see we lost Becca but um okay. we, I know we are on here we'll be on here in the first Thursday of no wait so we are in the first, first Thursday, Thursday right, right. <laughs> yeah, the third Thursday, Thursday. So we'll <laughs> the third Thursday we'll be back on um yeah. so we're on the first and third Thursday of every month and then you can always catch the replays or the podcast mm -hmm. so great yeah, and I'd like to say thank you to everybody who joined us today also thank you to all you ladies uh, yeah. uh like I said I appreciate being here with y'all and uh, to all the audience who joined us and to everyone who commented. So, you know, feel free to comment if you watch this video later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So share your yeah. stories with us. <laughs> yeah. And we will see, I guess we'll see everybody what in two weeks? In two yeah. weeks. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you.